Welcome, my friends, to another episode of Launch Your Private Podcast. Today, we are thrilled to finally have Tarzan K on with us to discuss audio newsletters. And she really is the pioneer of audio newsletters. Tarzan is an email strategist from Ontario, Canada, and is known for crafting emails that are more engaging than your latest Netflix binge. Maybe unless you're watching Love on the Spectrum, because man, does that show know how to do a cliffhanger. Anywho, in this episode, we discuss audio newsletters, exploring their potential to change the way we consume and engage with content in our inbox. She opens up about her evolution from building a seven-figure empire to now focusing more on an inclusive, people-centric business model. She shares her insights into ethical marketing and powerful storytelling, offering valuable tips on creating audio newsletters that resonate with audiences and sell without the hard sell. Get ready for a fun conversation all about content delivery with one of the industry's leading voices. Enjoy this one. All right, everybody. Welcome. We have another case study episode. I can speak. It's Friday. This is a non-recording day for us typically, but you know what? We have Tarzan K on and she is the person that everyone talks about who does newsletters in an audio version as well. And so she's been an example for a long time. We've been wanting to get her on and we're super excited that she is here. Tarzan K, welcome. Hey, thanks for making it sound like I'm famous. (laughs) I mean, you are for email, let's be honest. (laughs) You do teach people how to do it, right? (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah. I think it is when a copywriter is teaching people how to write really good emails and tell stories and all of that, and you offer that, you know, audio version, it's a realm that, that, that is an option for using Hello Audio. And I think, yeah, you've always been an example ever since we started. Cool. Yeah. I think it was the first thing that I used Hello Audio for. Now we have it for so many different things, but that was probably our first use. Yeah. I think it makes a bunch of sense. And it's funny. So P.S. Everyone listening, Tarzan's tea member entered Tarzan into a contest we ran, I think when we launched or I don't remember exactly if the contest was around when we launched. I think it was. And it I was like so. tag your favorite course creator if you want their course, you know, on a whatever. And so Tarzan won a lifetime license. We have not given that away since early 20, yeah, 2020, November 2020, I think was the contest. Yeah. Um, and her team member is like, oh, cool. Like I entered us. And I was like, great. That's how she got in the world. And then by, um, by cheating with my team member <laughs> nominating me. By getting lucky. <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> I don't think it was totally cheating. But yes, to be fair. No. So yeah, we're, we're happy you're here. We're happy you're using it the way you use it. I think it's hilarious. I love your feed. And we can dive into the nuances of that. So we know how you got it. We know that it's about newsletters. So why don't you talk about those early days? Because you were actually, to be honest, I think you were one of the first people to put it in a newsletter. So there was no example of this. What made you go, that's what I want to use it for and why? I actually think it was also Ginger's idea. Like Ginger was the one who nominated me for the contest and she was one of my employees and she would always bring like wacky ideas to the to our calls. Like it was so great. And like nine times out of 10, we would be like, no, that's like a weird idea. Not doing that. Once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I Your wish I could remember. I could probably... yeah. <laughs> she definitely made up the name too. The private podcast of my emails is called Tarzan Reads Her Emails. And uh, yeah, she brought it to the team. And I think we were just starting to think about accessibility and I thought it would just be something like easy and fun that I could do. And, you know, what another team member, she always wanted me to start 
like a YouTube channel because I'm like pretty charismatic and colorful in the way that I write and the way that I talk. And it was just an obvious yes. That is so easy. It's one extra step. Like I write my email every Wednesday and takes me like an hour. And then when I'm done, takes me five minutes. I record it in GarageBand. When I first started, I recorded it in um, like QuickTime audio on my Mac. And if I made a mistake, I would have to start all over again. Or sometimes I would make a mistake and then I would start a new track and I would trim it on the end and then mush them together. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and then I discovered that I could use GarageBand for the audio and that simplified things a lot. So yeah, I recorded in uh, GarageBand and it takes literally five minutes. And it's really important to me. It's something I feel really good about that I have this audio version. And I don't even talk about it that much. Every single one of my emails has a graphic at the bottom that says click through to the podcast. Sometimes I'll put a text box at the top of the podcast that says click here to listen to the audio version. Um, but mostly I'm like, it's there for accessibility. It's important to me. People can like look at it. And if they don't, like, I don't really care. I just, it's important to me that it's there. It makes me feel good. I love it. I got spoiled. I will say with this one, because it was so easy just to listen to the emails without having to read it. And if you've got an inbox that is out of control, it's so convenient to just let someone listen and do other things versus going through, because yours are emails we actually want to read, right? Like, and it's with a hundred other emails in the inbox, it's all, I got to get through this quickly. I mean, no one sits in their inbox excited to read stuff, right? No. But when we're no. listening to you, it's so cool. And then I did have someone else who shall not be named, try. And I got, I'm also subscribed to his newsletter and it said, would you rather listen to this instead? And I got so excited because I was like, oh, this is just like Tarzan. Click on it and it was like an MP3. And I was like, nope. And then I unsubscribed. Because I was like, nope, I am not doing this. So I will just, I think you started a trend and it it's awesome and super convenient. And now I'm spoiled. And the fact that no one else is doing it or not many people are doing it makes me very sad. Yeah, I it is so easy and I'd love to see more people adopting it. And also sometimes I listen to them and I'm like, you know, I'm actually not just doing this like I'm good at it. I have a good voice. Yes. I am like quite animated. Sometimes I also drop like little Easter eggs for my audio listeners and I'll mention like why I made a certain editorial choice or like what something there are. There's a lot about my emails that just doesn't make sense in audio. Like sometimes I'll format things in a way that just doesn't translate or there's links, you know, so I do end up explaining things. But those are often like the most fun moments when I get to talk about my choices. So I don't always do that. Usually I just read the email, but occasionally it's like, oh, hey, here's like a little treat for all my audio listeners. It reminds me of, yeah, having an author read their book, right? Totally. Um, I think it was Mike Michalowicz. I think I read Profit First. And he does these like side nuances about it. And he's like funny, right? And he has a good voice. And so um, that's why I always want the person who actually wrote the book to read it. Because it's yeah. like, it's, it may not even be a side note, but it's also like the tone. And if, if you laugh or like you can feel what's happening and you tell a lot of stories in your emails. So you can feel like your, you know, what you're writing. I know you can do that a little bit with writing, but there's something very special about um, hearing it in the person's voice. Oh, she sounds really sad or like this must have been really hard for her. Of course, the email portrays that. But like now I get to hear the person's voice and you hear those extra cracks, that kind of thing. I think um, 
is pretty powerful. And I think it's always something we talk about too when it comes to why audio is that connection piece of that transfer of emotion that doesn't happen as easily in other mediums. Um, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it as well. Well, I have definitely cried and laughed. I mean, I laugh a lot, but I've definitely cried reading things before, like not a full cry, but like, you can see that there's just a lot more that comes through on audio. I agree. Totally. Um, really cool. So part of, you know, the point of this podcast is to talk about some of the results or strategies or like background info. And you said at the very beginning, you're like, guys, I don't have a lot of stats. <laughs> and I was like, that's cool because we know you're using a universal link. So this might be a little more Nora and I's territory because a lot of times people don't realize some of the differences with a private podcast and how you can um, basically have people sign up for an email address to their email address, sorry, unlocks, right, the episodes. And so they have to sign up for it and then they get their special link. You decided, your team decided to make it a universal link. That's what, that's a Hello Audio term. And what that essentially means for people listening is you can't go search Tarzan reads her emails in Apple podcasts right now. You would not find it. You do have to get to her link. So it's on her website. It's in her emails, but it is not tied to your email address. So what that means for Tarzan and her team is that she doesn't actually know the number of people listening. She has a download count, which like across the board in podcasting is not perfect. Um, it is it, sometimes three downloads equals one person because of the way their phone works, which is fun. But all you have are downloads. And so I think a choice was made here about how easy it is to maybe sign up. So I don't know if you want to walk through some of those decisions, those early decisions. You've kind of alluded to it already, but. Yeah, well, the main thing is that we can't remove access to people if they unsubscribe from my email list, but I'm not interested in removing people's access. Like if they don't want me in their inbox, but they want the audio version, cool, no problem. I do want to say though, there's no direct link on my website. Like you can't just go to my website and load up Tarzan reads or emails. You have to join my email list and then you will get a link. So it's like, there is a small barrier to entry but I just like, I, I'm, I'm never going to remove people's access. If it's a paid product, like, yes, of course, we want to make sure people don't sign up, buy something and like get download the whole course and then refund it. Some places we need more control. But for my private podcast of my emails, it's a universal link. It's also a universal link for uh, I have an audio series. It's called The Seven Scrubs for Oh my God, I don't even know what it's called, but it's like a series about how to use persuasion. It's called The Seven Scrubs for High Converting Email. So that series also is like ungated. You give me your email for it, you download the whole series. And again, I, don't, I want people to listen to it more than I want them to be my subscribers forever. Like my philosophy here is very much aligned with the way that I do email, which is totally consent-based and I want people to have choices. If you get on my email list and it's too much, like you can select one email per month. If you get on my email list and I'm promoting something, you don't want the promotion, like every single email has an easy link, like one click, take me out of this promo. And I actually want people to actively make choices about the emails that they get from me. So mm. if they want to listen and not read, like, fine. Uh, what I probably could do a better job of, and I always forget to do this, is I very rarely record promo emails and add them to my feed. 
Like occasionally I'll do that, but it is something that's probably the biggest area for improvement is just like, I mean, we're going into a promotion. It's the end of January right now. We'll be in a promotion in February and I'm just sort of sticking a pin in it right now. Like I'll just record maybe the card open email or something and say, here's the link to find out more. Mm. I think we probably could, I guess we wouldn't be able to retarget unless we did the not universal link, right? To do retargeting ads. You could retarget the, oh, because there's no subscribe page. Yeah, there's yeah we would just be yeah, retargeting my email list, basically. Yeah. Right? There's no subscribe page with universal link even. There's still a subscribe page. It's right? Just because universal we, we, link. we send so you them can still to pixel that page. Yeah, you can, can pixel, pixel page. the subscribe page. So well, the subscribe page is the page that the person sees and chooses what player to put it on. So right. it won't be a unique link for everyone. It'll be the same, but you could pixel that link. I made a note to do that. And it's in Hello Audio in our thing. Yeah. Oh, this cool. is fun. We could help her plan her marketing yeah. strategy. Right. For so I, you know what? My brain's going. I bet Nora knows. You should totally use like dynamic content for the promo. Um, yes, you could record the sales email because I'm sure it's good. But you could also do a little spot at the front and the end and it kills it during the promotion period. So then, so what you could say, I'm trying to think about how you would approach it because you would want to keep it tight. Like it would just remind people that was happening. But you could say like, I'm not going to read every promo email I have, but I wanted you guys to know that this is happening kind of thing. That could work. So dynamic content, um, the way it works is you it appends it to the fir- to the end or the beginning of every episode and you can run it just for a certain amount, amount of time and it auto like disappears when the promo's over. So you can even decide, I only want to run it for two days, but then you that catch amazing. people who are listening. And then I can catch it clear. any episode. They'll be like, what would be the optimal length for that content? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it depends on your people. Yeah. Yeah. And you're and the promo like, maybe, two episodes like, a week. Is that right? Currently, I'm doing one episode a week, and they probably average about six minutes. So I guess because of the shortness of my podcast episodes, probably like 30 seconds on each end would be about the maximum. Yeah, Yeah, I think that. Okay, well, I'm definitely doing that. Thank you so much. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. And I like that you can pixel them, too. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else for something. I mean, Reading promo emails, you know, it is it is interesting. I think, have you ever like polled? Well, you don't know that audience. You don't have yeah, them segmented no, it anyway. No. I mean, you could no. probably segment them in whatever list tool you used, right? Where if they click that link, I know like Active Campaign is kind of ninja like that. Are you using ConvertKit or? We just left Active Campaign. Yeah, we mm-hmm. broke up. But no, this is definitely are. enough for me to go on. And yeah. what I would probably do, and this is probably what I've done in the past, like, my promo emails tend to be less, a lot less story based than my um, newsletter emails. However, like if I'm sending 12 promo emails, there's probably two or three that have some good stories in them. Mm. So I would just select one that I yeah. know is going to play that will be consistent with what people get from my newsletter. And honestly, they might not even know it's a promo. It might just be like an extra mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I I think it's cool to like kind of go behind the brain of the person who's making these decisions about where to use private podcast and thinking about whether it's universal or not. And so to kind of go back to that idea, you just wanted it to be as easy as possible. One click, Mm -hmm. you already have their email address. I think that's important. So Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about, you know, a regular podcast, there's no way to catch an email, but a private one, you catch emails. Well, if they're already on your email list, there's no real need to catch it. 
Um, you would get maybe different stats. And like we're finding in this conversation, you don't know who it is that's listening. So you can't like talk to them differently in other capacities. But that can be okay, right? Like I think just the way that you're using it from a perspective of accessibility and making it easier. I think there's probably a lot of people on the list that is like, this is really cool. And I'm so glad she does this. <laughs> so have you actually heard from anyone who listens to the newsletter or kind of any insights from your audience around that? Yeah, definitely. I hear I only ever hear from my power users of the um, podcast that are, oh, my God, I'd never miss your email. And it's only because of the audio. So I, I only have anecdotal data. But I just want to say about collecting data, like, let's just imagine I don't use the universal link because like I want this as with any data. It's are you going to use it? Like 100 percent. Like I'm a small I'm one person and I have two team members. And we're all like full. We're all at capacity. So before you're going to sign up, like before you're going to add some special link so that you can get better data, are you going to use it? What are you going to use it for? Or are you just making unnecessary work for yourself? Mm. Yeah, for you and the friction potentially for the listener. I think that's such a exactly. Good a good thing to remember. Like we can't collect data for data's sake, but it has to be, you know, combed through in some capacity. I will tell you, we do have <laughs> super listener scores, which are pretty cool. And, but power users, I think are important. Like they're reaching out to you. They're telling you, you know, that they listen to every single episode mm -hmm. because they tell you, but there's probably people that you don't know that are listening to every single episode that aren't telling you, but that's you okay. Know. Like if, as you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's one less thing you have to check if you're not going to make decisions based on it and you're not going to change any part of your marketing strategy, then the data isn't that useful. Like the, I think what value that you're holding up is less about potentially segmenting or whatever, right? Like you're holding up the value of accessibility and that Universal Link makes it the most accessible because adding an email address one more time is a blocker. It's going to be a blocker for mm -hmm. a lot of people. And there might be issues with it, like some things happen where Universal Link is pretty straightforward. Um, and so I think that value that you hold trumps everything else that could yeah, potentially it, be. Yeah, it does. Actually, it's helping me understand my own process. So thank you. I would say, it's though, if I was doing some pre-launch content, like if I was specifically doing something that was connected to a launch, I really would want to know who those power listeners mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. because when I'm in a when I'm promoting something, I want to know who's clicking through to my sales page. Like I look at that stuff behind the scenes, and totally. because I'm like pretty niche, I only have ten thousand subscribers ish, just under actually. Like I know those people. I'm like mm -hmm. intimately connected to my subscribers, so knowing like oh yeah, this person like listened to every episode of this special limited time series, like. I would reach out to that person because it, it yep. could mean, you know, and I think that also it depends on the value of the sale. Like if I'm talking mm. about a $3,500 sale, sure, I'll reach out to three or four people because I know them and I see mm -hmm. they're listening to my content. And they know you. Like, I think that's. And huge. they know me. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. even with the universal link, you can still allow people, give people opportunities to raise their hand. You're already using Easter eggs, right? That could be something that says, you know, go here or it could be a landing page that you're tracking or a rebrandly or pretty link in the show notes that you can use. So you can still give people, even though we may not have individual data on the specific email addresses or specific listeners that are listening, by doing things like that, you can still, you know, give opportunities to let them raise their hand and see who's actually listening and seeing volume. Mm -hmm. So you can still check it and have the benefit of having the, you know, ease of the universal link and distribution. So there's still ways that you can do it. Yeah. 
I was going to say too, I think um, what this is lining up with is what we say a lot, Nora, of like how the podcast player is actually an inbox and and people don't see it like that, right? So the reason why they listen every week is your little face on this (laughs) Tarzan Reader email pops up that there's a new episode and that person can be like, great, that's like totally on my list, right? You basically are a weekly podcast without having to create separate content. And there are people like, I don't, there's not a lot of people that can say like, uh, you know, their audience list like reads every single email, like very few. Mm-hmm. And I think the, I think the audio makes it really important because I could love your emails and still not get to it because that week was crazy because again, I'm in the inbox. I'm looking at all the other stuff I have to do. Whereas podcasting is this other part of my life, right? Where I'm on my a walk or I'm getting ready or I'm driving my kid somewhere, right? And I can like listen and it's like already there waiting. Like so a lot of times I'm like, what should I listen to? And so if you become that person's like, boom, binge it in, you know, uh, six minutes, even that, right? Like super easy to get through and I enjoy it. That's like very different than having to filter your email and put it in a special place. So it's not in the, right? It's just mm-hmm. so much easier. So I hope that people listening are inspired to be like, oh, I never thought about the power of it. Even if it's a certain percentage of your list, we don't know. But even if it's 20% of your list that are doing this, my guess is that 20% is probably even more engaged than the people that open every email. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or like, because especially because we have bots that open our emails, our our systems are Mm -hmm. checking things. Like it's not clean data even coming from that. But that idea that those people might actually be a little more into it than the people who haven't decided to officially subscribe, I think it just creates like a different type of connection as we're kind of bringing out, right? Like they, that power user type of person really knows you on a different level um, because they're reading everything, right? And the way you write it is very like behind the scenes. And I think that's really special too. I think those kind of podcasts do really well as, as well for our creators, for sure. So I'm curious, as you look back at making some of those decisions, what advice would you give? I know you teach people how to write emails. Feel free to drop your um, program and all of the things. I don't know if you renamed it or if it's still the same, but it's still the same. Okay, cool. So yeah, feel free to share that. And then um, yeah, what advice you have for people who are maybe considering doing this newsletter thing? And also, yeah, like some of your top tips with emails, I think that would be really helpful for people. Put you on okay. the spot there. What are my top tips with emails? I think for people that are starting out and they're like, there's just we all have so much resistance around sending emails like are people and a lot of that is because there's just a lot of garbage in our inboxes that we really don't like. And there's also you just inevitably we're all fielding emails that we're like, why is this here? Like, I don't want this. I'm like so annoyed with this person because I never asked for this email. And the first thing people need to know is that you can do it your own way and find a way that like really feels good. So Everything that I do is like, I'm always looking at email through the lens of consent. So anytime you download a freebie, like anything that you get from me, and I'm an imperfect person, so there may be a form somewhere that doesn't do this, but we make sure that we always ask, may I email you? Consent means explicit consent. I was thinking about how the new... You know, that whole idea of like, you bought me, I bought you dinner, so you owe me something. That's Mm -hmm. sort of like what we do with freebies. It's like, I gave you this freebie, so now you have to be on my email. (laughs) That's actually not consent. 
So having a box, and I'm mentioning this because all of the resistance that people feel is because their consent has been broken. So like, Mm -hmm. understand you can do it in a consent-based way and give people choices. And then it's also important to know that like they made the choice. Okay, I put the box there and all email service providers, basically, because it's the law in so many countries, like they make it really easy to do. It's like you have your form and then you just add a little box that people can tick or not tick if they want the emails or they don't want the emails. So first of all, you get consent everywhere, like signing up to your webinar that is not consent to join your email list, booking a call that is not consent to you, buying a product even like, you know, there's always delivery emails associated with those things. So you do need to email people. But Like consent to email them with a product or a freebie is not the same as consent to continuously email and send promos. So let's just say you've gotten that consent. Then you need to remember, like, actually, they did say yes. So now you have to, like, deal with your own internal resistance around, like, you know, is what I have to say valid? Are people going to be interested? Are they going to reject me? Like, we all have those feelings. And all of those things are going to happen. Like, 100% 100% guarantee people are going to unsubscribe. People are going to hit reply and they're yeah, going to say, they can change like their mind also. They that's can, really yes, important. That, they could totally that's change That's how consent mind. works. Consent mm-hmm. can be revoked. And we have those mm-hmm. buttons. In my case, with my promo emails, I also have opt-outs. Like I'm actively encouraging people to make a choice all the time. And you can do the same. Like those sorts of things are not difficult to set up. It's, it's usually a link trigger. Click this link, you get a special tag. Uh, that precludes you from getting future newsletters or promo emails, whatever it is. So um, getting your getting those sort of your systems figured out so that those things are possible for your email subscriber. Those are really critical. And I think they will cut down a lot on the that feeling that like internal Mm. resistance. And then, you know, the thing about writing is like it is very vulnerable. It's just a fact. Like I can't solve that for people. But what I do know is I can lead by example. And that's one thing that people love about my emails is like they're very honest, they're very vulnerable. I've been through a lot of changes in my business and in my personal life. And my subscribers have been with me the whole time. So they do even just, you know, watching the way other people do email, including me, like that can be a bit of a permission slip to Mm -hmm. do things your own way. But after that, it really, this is like so boring, I know, but like it really does take practice. Like, You just practice like you set a day, write your email on Wednesday because it goes out on Friday and you will get better. And it's okay to not know right away, like what the purpose of your newsletter is, what the main themes will be, like what your sort of core stories you'll come back to. I talk about like drugs and sex all the time, but like I didn't start by doing that. I worked (laughs) my way up to it with a lot of other complicated conversations. So you just give yourself time to let that come through and also know that like critical feedback is actually important. It's something that, you know, sort of a unique history where that has meant that like I historically wasn't very good at receiving feedback. I would automatically shut down and be like, oh, my God, I did something wrong. Everybody is mad at me. I am like hide under my desk and never send another email again. But I've been doing this for seven years. And I've gotten so much critical feedback. And initially I was, I would, I can't even tell you how many emails I have sent that are like, I'm sorry, I did this thing. I used to get some feedback and I would be like automatically like, I'm sorry, I will never do it again. Like, Please forgive me. Don't cut me out of your inbox. 
over the years, I have gotten better through like therapy and other things at self-regulating and being like, okay, here's some critical feedback. And I'm not even kidding you. Like, even when I've done something that is, you know, I've said something that I actually regret and my subscribers will tell me about it because I've built up a lot of trust with them. So they will reply and give me their opinions on things, their response to my opinions. And even when I've done something that I regret, like I can read those emails, I can receive feedback from a regulated place and reply and engage in conversation. And that is a skill. Like it takes time to develop that skill. And it's it's just part of the learning. Like you cannot get around that. Like you can be a bro and just be like, no, my way is the way. Yes. And I don't need your feedback. But that's never been my way. Like I have learned so much from my subscribers, like especially, you know, because I do talk about a lot of complicated issues. Like I talk a lot about anti-oppressive marketing. Like occasionally I will name someone. I don't usually like to do this, but occasionally I'll name someone in the industry that I'm mad at, um, you know, and I get feedback. And that's how like we learn together. And that is also an example that I can set for people on my email list because mm -hmm. I don't send all of those I'm sorry emails. But I will say like, hey, I learned something from one of my subscribers or like, hey, remember last week I talked about this thing and then someone gave me some feedback and maybe you would like to know this, too, because I didn't. So, um, you know, it is really about time and practice. I do have a program that opens in February. It's called Email Stars. Um, so I do train people in this and it does help to like it, it does really help to have a critical eye on your emails. And that doesn't have to be me. I get feedback. I never send an email and I have employees, I have people. So I never send an email that someone hasn't read. But particularly if it's an email on a complicated topic, like before Christmas, I sent out an email about cocaine. I was like, this would be irresponsible if I didn't get someone that I trust to review this email and tell me if there's anything weird or unclear that I should look at. So, you know, and that wasn't even a team member. That was like a friend that I had come and look at it. And that's like after doing a lot of shit that I shouldn't have, you know, sending out like I'm loud and opinionated and my emails are loud and opinionated, too. And I loud opinionated people sometimes blurt things out that they need to explain. You have a lot of loud and opinionated people listening, right? So <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know yes, yes. Happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. All of you loud and opinionated people, please write more emails. Mm -hmm. Put your loud opinions into emails like you are the best email copywriters for sure. A hundred percent. I love that. Thank you for taking us behind the scenes on that. And um, I think it is important to think about the effort that goes in and how you started versus where you are now and like what you're producing. Um, we also have some people who even flip it and do the recording first and then write from that, which I think is cool. If you want to think about your process, I think with any new workflow, it's funny, you're talking about this, you didn't mention it, but you're like, oh yeah, like I write on Wednesdays and then I record it and then like someone reads it. There's a workflow in your team, right? Mm -hmm. on, in your business that, that allows you to like respect that time block that happens on Wednesday because you're, you know, this is something important to your business and something that you're, you focus time and energy on. And for us right now, I'm in charge of this podcast and it's the same thing. It's okay, the workflow. And man, the amount of times we just like are missing the mark, turning out B minus work, but we're getting better as our show notes are going to get better. Like everything in that process is happening, but we had to get it out first. And mm. I think that's, you could probably say with almost anything in business, like you have to kind of put it out there first and then you're going to tweak it along the way. There's no way, no matter how many 
templates you download or like courses you buy, that first, you know, process is going to just come out perfectly and you're never going to change anything. And I think, I don't know, it's a perfectionist, a, you know, type A, it's all the things that make entrepreneurs wonderful, but that can keep us really stuck. And I think with writing, because it's that vulnerable piece, I think that is the easy one to be like, ah, I like, I'm not going to prioritize or I'm not going to put time and effort towards it. And really, it's like, what's the fear behind that, right? If you want to do it or if your people are asking for it or if it's a good way to connect, like, why wouldn't you or why aren't you? And it could be something like that vulnerability or not doing it right or not showing up right the first couple of times. And or like how you highlighted that, because that's important. Yeah. And I also send out a lot of B minus emails. There like, you go. Not, not all bangers. bangers. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I, you know, the funny thing too, what, what had me thinking, and it was a thought I had the other day on Facebook, someone was posting something. I feel like there's this a little bit of a push towards long form content. I know you've been doing this a long time, but man, like, yes, TikTok, yes, reels, yes, short, yes, get it out. But there is, I'm noticing like more blogs, like a, more podcasts, like some people trying to really get into podcasting and YouTube and just really going for that long-term push. Do you even look at stuff like that and you're just like, this is what I do? Or are you thinking about that newsletter and have been for a while about why that long form content is so important in your business? No, I never think about it. I do know that TikTok is testing 30 minute reels, though. Oh, so yeah, I get that long form is a thing. I don't feel like my emails are long form. Uh, mm. To me, it's very short that's, form content. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it And it takes me like, not that much longer yeah. than like a LinkedIn post. To me, it's totally. short. I do send some longer emails, but actually, typically my emails are like 500 to 750 words. Like they're mm -hmm. pretty short. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. In my head, I wonder if it's like long form mixed with like playing the long game, like tied to it. Like mm -hmm. we're getting into blogging. So that's like something that Hello Audio is working on. Blogging and SEO. It's the long game, right? It's this whole... So oh, maybe definitely. that energy where it's like it lives a little bit longer, but maybe mm -hmm. email's not that, but it's more about like nurturing that the people that are reading. That's a long process. It's not a like quick, you don't, it's not like you're getting new subscribers because of the emails that you, well, you probably are depending on how you repurpose, but just thinking about like a reel that goes out, it, it's like a flash in the pan, but could bring in a lot of people. And so people are so focused on numbers, numbers, numbers. And then you get to the email list, like we've been talking about, and it's shit anyway. <laughs> you sign up for the mm -hmm. thing that was on a reel. So like, I, I feel like whether it's not the word count per se, but it's like the relationship is like long form. I don't know. Maybe I'm, this is all. Yeah. It's yeah. Email, <laughs> email is for sure a long game. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. no doubt. And when I'm selling my courses, I usually tell people like, okay, fine. If you have like so many email subscribers and you have a product, like you could probably pick up a couple of sales and pay for this program. But really, like it's absolutely a long game. This is relationship building. Mm -hmm. It is not something that happens overnight at all. Yeah. OK, so I'm not that crazy. <laughs> just kidding. Cool. Yeah, it's just something I've been kind of ruminating on. And we've been making similar decisions. I guess when you see it reflected back, you're like, oh, other people are like thinking about these channels, I don't know. And e emails mm. never going, you know, has not disappeared, has never died, and is in fact the thing that is always kicking. Then we always end all of these episodes with our, yeah, so our famous question, which is, if there was a private podcast with your life's ramblings, what would it be called? 
Well, that is my podcast. It's called <laughs> Tarzan saying, like, Reads Her Email. It's true. I love <laughs> my that. life's there's rambling. No, there's nothing you're not sharing with that group. <laughs> no, actually, there are things. There, I do have things in my life that I don't share. And it, it, it took me a while to figure out which parts of my, which ramblings mm-hmm. do not, like my children's lives do not get into my emails. There are several other boundaries, but mostly it's my life's ramblings. And funny enough, like I asked my subscribers recently, what would you like to hear about? Because I always feel like I should talk more about email. I really just got to do some lessons here. And they were like, what's your workout routine? Like, do you have support at home? Like, when do you do housekeeping? Like, okay, I'll write more emails like that. Yeah, so I have that. It's called Tarzan Reads Her Emails. Tarzan Reads Her Life Ramblings. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Cool. It's been such a pleasure having you on, Tarzan. Totally. We're so glad that you were able awesome. to join us and share everything you know about email, all the things. Um, yeah, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. Yay. Cool. And there you have it, Audioheads. Another episode of Launch Your Private Podcast is in the books. I hope you're leaving today feeling even more ready to amplify your voice and connect with your audience in meaningful ways. The adventure continues in our next episode with even more insights, strategies, and inspiration to help you along your own private podcasting journey. Of course, make sure to check out helloaudio.fm to start your own private podcast. And remember, you've got amazing content that needs to be heard. So let's turn the volume up. Until next time.